Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. Today we will begin looking at Ephesians 3, 7 to 13, and obviously we won't make it through all of that, but we'll give it a good attempt and see how far we get. Paul writes, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. And of course, gospel there was mentioned at the close of verse 6. He's just begun enumerating or finished enumerating this uh, incredible aspect of the mysterious nature of the church, and he concludes that section in verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So that's what he's referring to of this gospel. Now, the word gospel just is good news, and that's how it is literally translated, uh, the good news. And of course, we call it the good news because it is the news which leads unto eternal life. It's news which leads to the forgiveness of sins, uh, news which leads us to life with Christ in uh, after this life. So, of course, it is very good. As we look into this, then uh, we're still going to follow off of the mindset, which is the mystery, the mystery of the church. Uh, And so what we're talking about then is we're talking about those who are ministers of this mystery. And we're not just talking about pastor teachers. We're not talking about the elders and leaders of the church. Uh, There is a sense in which everybody who is a believer is a minister of the gospel. And so I would like to propose at the beginning of this section that we need to have this idea in mind as we work through this text that we need to count our roles as ministers as a great privilege. If we've been saved and then God hasn't just saved us to pluck us out of this world, which he hasn't, he's left us here for some time and he's given us things to do. The thing that he's given us to do, we ought to count as a great privilege. And that's really what's in view here. So as we're going to look at the privilege of ministering the mystery and and the gospel, uh, the first thing that we see in verse 7 is that being made a minister of the gospel is a powerful act of God. This is God's work. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which is given me by the working of his power. It's God's work, not ours. Again, we're having a lot of delineation here between passive and active verbs. This is passive. I was made. Something happened to me. And that shows that Paul is not the one who makes himself a minister, uh, but that is the work of God. So God is the one who's doing it. What does he do? Uh, What's the object of his working? It's a minister. He made Paul a minister. By the way, this word minister is the same word from which we get our modern word deacon from. And so what we're talking about is a servant. Okay, we're not just talking about somebody who gets up and prepares sermons and studies the word all day long, but we're talking about a servant. Uh, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. 
and a servant is not greater than his master. I mean, if that's what Jesus did, that's what he's called us to, a life of service. And that word minister there is exactly what it's talking about. Those who minister the gospel are those who serve others with the gospel. And what is he made a minister of or a servant of? I was made a servant of this gospel. Really helps to think about it in in that broader sense from which, you know, we have these other words derive their meaning. Obviously, the context is going to to point to the aspect of working in the context of the church. And so that's where we get this idea of ministry, but really it's that of service. And what are we serving? We're serving the gospel and we are serving the gospel to others and we are subsumed under the gospel. So we could say it this way, you are a minister to people, but you are not a minister of people. You are a minister of the gospel. You are a servant of the gospel, not a servant of the people. And that's the differentiation that we're making here. Uh, we, we don't answer to others. We answer to God for this ministry. We are a minister of the gospel. We serve the gospel. And by the way, we didn't choose this. God made us this. When he saved us and set us apart, then he made us this, and he, this is what he has called us to. So being made a minister of the gospel is a powerful act of God. He is the only one that can do this. You can't do it. No other person can do it. Uh, it's only God's work. So that's very fascinating. But also we notice it's not just God's work. It's God's gift. And that's the second aspect of this gospel. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Okay, so it's God's gift. Some begrudge gifts that are given to them. To be made a minister of the gospel may not sound appealing to some people, although it should. If you know Christ, then it's the same gospel that saved you. So why wouldn't you be excited about that? If you truly understand your salvation and you know from what you have been saved, then that's a glorious thing. So why would it be a burden to be called to that? But some people do begrudge gifts that are given. But once we are saved, we're now being made a partaker or a participant uh, in the gospel and now a preacher of that same gospel. And that's what he's talking about here. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, by which, which was given me by the working of his power. I become a partaker in that. Uh, just like he says in verse 6, that we are partakers of the, pro uh, of the promise. We are now participating in that. And now we are proclaiming it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And so we do have to go out and proclaim. But we do serve the gospel, and then we, uh, we that is our master and our authority, and that's what we go out and proclaim. And we have to recognize that when God saved you and me, it was a gift. This, this is an incredible gift. It's the best gift. I mean, I've read Bible tracts that are titled you know, God's gift, the best gift ever given. Uh, and, and so we have to consider that, that God truly did give us a gift. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the idea of something given. Then God increases the gift further by granting that we can be ministers of this. 
again, as we discuss grace, it's not something that we deserved, that God somehow felt obligated to give to us because of our personality or the amazing things that we would do, but he gives it to us simply because he loves us. And that's what he does not only when he created the church, but when he saves us and we become a minister of this gospel, a servant of this gospel, this is a gift of his grace. It's not something that we deserve. And so that shows us the nature of the gift. It's a good gift. It's really hard to quantify because it has infinite value. And then we see it's not only God's work and it's God's gift, but it is a work of God's power. So his work, his gift, and it's by his power. And of course, it says that here in the text, it was given me by the working of his power. This word power is the same word where we get our word energy from. It carries the sense of God's productive power, literally according to the working of his power, that which he is doing. And so he is has an outflow of power, an outworking of that, and he is giving that to us. It is a work of his power. All right, so being made minister, uh, being made a minister of the gospel is a powerful act of God. Then we go on to verse 8 and see this, that being a minister of the gospel is humbling. And we'll just take the first part of verse 8 to see this. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. All right. So being made a minister of the gospel is a humbling thing. And to this point, I would just uh, point out here that we must always recognize our true standing. It is so easy once we begin to uh, grow in, in a profession, in our knowledge of something, to begin to get puffed up. The more we know, eventually you're going to run into somebody who knows less. And so you might be tempted to be proud. And here is Paul who is you know, just an incredible theological powerhouse, uh, you know, had the privilege of being taught by Christ personally in the desert for three years, according to his testimony. And, you know, he calls himself always the least of all the apostles. He calls himself the chief of sinners. Uh, he never, the more you know about the Bible, the more you know theologically, the more humbling that is when you recognize how good God is and how infinitely short of God we fall. Any goodness that God sees in us is because of Christ. Any beauty that is in us is Christ's beauty. Uh, there's really nothing good in ourselves. And I don't say that as a slam. I'm right there in that category, but this is all of humanity. All the beauty is Christ's beauty. Uh, all the goodness is Christ's goodness. All the merit for salvation is Christ's merit. We can't add to that merit. So we always have to recognize our true standing. And Paul said it this way, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. Um, we mentioned a couple of the others, but in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, uh, that's the reference where he calls himself the least of all the apostles. And he recognizes some of his former mannerisms and the former actions that he brought upon the church. He persecuted the church of God. And then while God may remove our sins as far as the East is from the West, we carry the burden of our past with us. And the question is, is what do you do with that memory of those past sins? Do you let it wear you down? Do you give in to the voice of Satan that still wants to beat you over the head with it? Do you give up? Do you abuse grace? Do you wear it as a badge? Or do you let it prompt you to marvel at the grace of God? 
I would suggest that you do your very best for the master at this present time and, and marvel at the grace of God and let those past memories spur you on to thanksgiving that God has saved you from that. Don't let it beat you down. God can remove the penalty of sin. He can remove our sins from us as far as the East is from the West. And, and then he can act accordingly. I know personally and from people that I've talked to that having sins that come back and haunt us can be very crippling. But the fact is, is it's always good to have a reasonable head on our shoulders with regard to these things. Our true standing is that we truly are nothing except by the grace of God. And that brings us to a a second observation of this humbling aspect of being a minister of the gospel, that we must always be thankful for God's work in our life. To me, though, I was the least of all the saints, or the least of all the saints, right? He said, what? Grace was given. And so... Is Paul thankful? I mean, I don't think any of us would ever contest the fact that Paul is deeply grateful his entire life. His All of his epistles and literature are absolutely filled with the topic of thanksgiving, both personally and a call to thanksgiving. And as he recognizes his state, and then by implication, the state of everybody who's receiving this letter— He says, listen, even though I'm the least of everybody, I'm down here at the bottom of the totem pole, as it were. Then he says what? Grace was given. And and that, of course, is cause for rejoicing. So we must always be thankful for God's personal work in our lives. And I I want to encourage you, uh, if God has saved you, we can so sit back and beat ourselves up over past things. But the fact of the matter is, is he knew every moment of your life before one of them came to be. He knew every day of your life before you were, before he formed you in your mother's womb. Uh, he, he knew every single one of your words, every single one of your thoughts. He knew every action. He knew all the bad things. He, he, he knew everything. And yet in spite of all that, he still by, you know, something that is infinitely beyond us in his knowledge and what, and his goodness and his grace, he decided to save you and he decided to save me. Uh, now, then he gives us the ability to believe. He gives us the ability to repent and all of those things. But we must recognize that we didn't deserve any of it. Don't get all puffed up. But then when you do think on these things and then he has given us a task to minister the gospel, grace was given. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thought. Well, we'll wrap up uh, our our episode right there, having worked through two of these points, as we consider our roles as ministers a great privilege. Um, we really should do that. Paul is counting it a great privilege, and he's calling us to count it a great privilege, what God has called us to. And so we saw that being made a minister of the gospel is a powerful act of God, and being made a minister of the gospel is humbling. And so those are good things to think on as we wrap up this episode and pick it up with the rest of verse 8 in our next episode. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.